Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 14. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent BJJ approach. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Normally, we pick a topic, we talk about all of the mental models associated with it, and we try to kind of distill something down into the fundamental concepts. Today we're going to talk more about a news story that most people in the community have probably already heard about, but we wanted to talk about it because it actually is quite close to home for us. So, um, as you've probably seen, there has been a recent lawsuit filed in British Columbia, Canada, where we live, um, against Marcus Soros. Uh, for those who don't know, Marcus Soros is probably the most senior jiu-jitsu practitioner in the BC area. I think he's uh, an eighth degree black belt. I don't know the exact rank, but I know the guy's been around for a long time. I, I don't think there's anyone more senior than he has in our area. He's, of course, very, very well known in the community. He's um, He's got a gym. Uh, everyone, you know, everyone knows who he is. He's produced a ton of black belts. There was a, a lawsuit, though, recently where uh, one of his students actually sued due to issues in the Marcus Soros Invitational, which is one of his tournaments. So, Matt, maybe you can talk about this a little bit because I think you've done uh, quite a bit of research onto the case. Yeah, so basically there's a gentleman by the name of uh, Joe Peters who entered one of his tournaments, a tournament that I've done multiple times, and um, is basically suing because... He's claiming negligence on the part of uh, Mr. Soros due to, well, he says that uh, he was, first of all, he's forced to fight in a weight division where his opponent was 40 pounds plus, I believe. And I think he's claiming he doesn't know that the guy was so big. Um, and also is claiming that Mr. Sora has never taught him the proper stand-up techniques that were required for the tournament, which I find interesting because in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, as we all know, pulling guard is a valid way to win competitions. So he's claiming that not only, uh, was he, or that wasn't, wasn't told that he was going to be fighting someone so much bigger, but also that. You know, he, he, he didn't learn the proper techniques required for the tournament. Um, and I mean, it's, a, it's a lot to unpack at one point, right? Mm-hmm. To, to talk about it all. Um, I guess we'll just start talking about our opinions of it or. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, before we proceed, it's important to note that neither of us are lawyers. So this does not constitute a legal opinion. This is really just two jujitsu practitioners kind of evaluating what we think of the case based on the very limited information that has been presented publicly at this point. I suspect that once this actually proceeds, we're going to see a lot more information about what actually happened at this competition. I also don't know how long this episode is going to be it. It really comes down to how much there is for us to talk about. So this might be shorter than a lot of the episodes that we normally do. Uh, So interestingly, 
It sounds like uh, Peters had signed a, a series of waivers, and, and again, I may be misunderstanding here, but it sounds like he he signed a gym waiver, of course. But yeah. it sounds like when he signed up for the tournament, there was also a waiver that he signed at the same time. Yeah, any anyone who's signed up for tournaments uh, online, which is basically how you you know do everything nowadays, uh, you do have to usually sign a waiver um, involved for that specific tournament as well as he signed a waiver for training under Mr. Soros. So, um, and then, and then of course you have to ask yourself, like, does that really waive, uh, you know, the, pl- the plaintiff's ability to sue? Um, the truth is that the plaintiff can always sue. Right. Uh, but definitely it's, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for his case to hold up because he signed these waivers. Yeah. Interestingly, it sounds like a BC Supreme Court judge ruled that the lawsuit could proceed despite the waivers. Um, the judge has said that the waiver did not extend to competition. So <clears throat> this is an interesting situation because Marcus Soros is both the instructor for the student, but also the person running the tournament where this injury occurred. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't at the tournament and I don't know the details of it. So I I think it's going to be hard to really say what happened until details start arising. Um, you know, as an experienced jujitsu practitioner, you hear a story like this and, you know, you're, we're aware that injuries occur all the time, especially in competition, right? To someone who's been doing this a lot, mm-hmm. it is pretty obvious that, you know, whenever you go into a fight with someone, <laughs> and I know that jujitsu is not really a fight, but whenever you engage in a physical combat activity with someone, there's going to be the risk of injury. So for us, it seems like this should be a no-brainer. But you also have to look at this from the perspective of a first-timer, right? You know, they they may be ignorant of a lot of these things. They may not realize exactly how badly you can be hurt during the stuff. And it sounds like, you know, at least from the, the plaintiff's perspective, that there were certain key details that he feels were omitted prior to him going into this that increased his chances of injury. So, um, th- yeah, th- this is an interesting one, too, because it, you know, it runs the risk of setting a precedent here. If they if they do find in favor of the plaintiff, what kind of impact is that going to have on jiu-jitsu tournaments? A lot of the jiu-jitsu tournaments are not, you know, big, you know, worldwide tournaments. They're just small local affairs and... Out of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if there is going to be a massive legal risk overhead of anyone who wants to run one of these, you know, the worst case scenario for us is maybe you're just going to see a lot fewer tournaments or, or maybe tournaments are going to be much more tightly regulated in a way that might not be positive. Yeah, like I, I know Marcus Soros. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I know of him quite well, being from the area. Um, and he's actually produced instructors that I've trained under before. And uh, his tournaments, they have a reputation that go along with them. You know, it's pretty widely known. They're in-house tournaments, uh, and, and they have these reputations for... Um, you know, they, for instance, they allow like toads and knee bars at the blue belt and up level. Uh, they, they have cash prize divisions. I've actually fought and, com- and, uh, or I've, I've competed and won some open level, open weight divisions. And so they, they really, as Marcus says, they try to capture the essence of what jujitsu really is, which is generally, you know, you're going to see different belt levels and different sizes of guys matched up, you're going to see more uh, leeway towards different submissions at a lower rank. And honestly, I I like all that stuff. Like, I I think that that's good, Uh, but it does come with its own set of risks. And, um, 
Yeah. You know, the, the gentleman, Mr. Joe Peters, claims uh, that he didn't know that his opponent would be so big. You know, I mean, first of all, Mr. Peters is over 240, uh, the report says, and he's fighting a dude who is maybe 40 pounds bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hate to say, but I believe that is the weight class, um, even though there's such a difference. And also, I... I think a guy who's 240 probably shouldn't be complaining about being the smaller gentleman. Uh, it I, is funny hearing I, a guy that big complain about. I mean, I'm 160 and all up all up until my, I got my black belt, I was doing absolute divisions and I fought absolute beasts. And you've been injured. And I've been injured. Um, never once did I blame the tournament for going into battle with someone bigger than me or at a different <clears throat> skill level than me. Um, I mean, I... I at first, when I heard this, I had my, you know, say what you want about Marcus Soares, his jujitsu or whatever, or him as a businessman. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is, uh, this is not only is it unjust, but it's, it's, um, it's bad for tournaments because, you know, <clears throat> we want to open people's eyes to how awesome jujitsu is, not make it seem like it's a uh, dangerous sport where, you know, I mean, we look, at, we look to provinces like, um, Montreal or, or sorry Quebec that are already uh, that are already outlawing Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a sport like you can't have tournaments there to my knowledge so that's the last thing that we want to have for local competitions here in Vancouver and this is you know things like this kind of make it look like it's some sort of street fighting or cockfighting or whatever when it's really nothing like that it's just you know someone claiming that he didn't aware he wasn't aware that someone was 40 pounds bigger than him it's like well you stepped on the mat you saw him you agreed to fight him and you're 240 like you really don't have anyone to blame but yourself, yeah. in my opinion. I think it's going to come down to the actual details that shake out here. Like, on, on first glance, this seems like something that you should just know, right? If you go into a tournament, there's a risk of injury. Um, that's always the case regardless of size, right? If you're fighting someone the same size as you, yeah, there's a good chance of injury. Even if the guy is heavier, same thing. Um, so, to some extent, this this does seem like it might be a common sense thing, but I also don't know all of the details of this case, right? I mean, the the thing is, if it turns out to be the case that, you know, this guy was um, somehow actually forced or coerced into fighting above a weight class, like, and I don't know what the actual weight classes specified were, but if this was, if he actually was pushed up a weight class and, and was somehow forced or coerced into that, I could see him having a, an argument. Uh, additionally, part of his claim is that he was forced to stand up. Now, I don't know what that means, right? Because... What does that yeah, mean? Like, it's like, okay, look, you, you, all fights in jiu-jitsu start standing up. That's one thing. Um, if, he, if, he was for, if a fight started and then he immediately got injured, that seems like it's probably something that isn't really worthy of a lawsuit. But if for some reason, like someone actually really forced this guy to fight standing up... I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's a different story. Um, but but you know, all the same, it. I think a lot of this is going to come down to understanding the specifics of what happened on that day on those mats. Um, it does seem to me like probably a big portion of this lawsuit stems from the fact that like th- this guy is claiming. You know, he's not a young guy. He's thirty six. He's claiming that his ability to make income has been affected. I, I don't know what his job is, but presumably it's something that requires being able to put weight on your I legs. I believe he's a tradesman yeah. of some sort. So I, I get it, right? You know. And the injury, FYI, was uh, a torn meniscus, so a knee injury. 
surgery. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was if it if surgery is required. I don't know if you know if it's like a, an ACL replacement or something like that where it's a long recovery, or if it's just meniscus damage, which which can actually be a, a quick recovery. But mm-hmm. um, in any case, he he did suffer a knee injury on that day. Sorry to cut you off. There. No, no, mate. No, it's good to explain that information. So. The thing here is I, I can see his point of view. You know, if you are getting into jujitsu, I mean, I'm granted, he's been training for nine months. So you'd think at nine months, you probably know better at this point. But giving the benefit of the doubt, you know, if you're kind of ignorant about what a competition actually entails, um, you don't realize what the actual risk of injury is. You've never had an injury like that. You know, if you're totally ignorant of that, like, and, and your income depends on being able to use your legs... I get his frustration and I I get why he would be this upset, so upset that he would sue, right? I mean, yes, his livelihood has has been impacted. Um, But the the question is, what did, what actually happened to force him into this situation? Like, you know, the the fact that he um, was not, he claims he was not properly trained in stand-up. I mean, hey, look, it's not, it's not really a stand-up properly trained in stand-up. It's not really a stand-up art. And even if it were, that does not mean you're never going to get injured, right? You know, injuries happen, especially standing up. So that's, I, I don't think necessarily the strongest argument. Now, the question is, is Marcus Soros going to be able to convince the courts that it is, you know, people who may be completely ignorant of jujitsu, who probably are, is he going to be able to convince them that this is a martial art where it always starts standing up, but most people don't train stand up? Like, that does sound really weird when you think about it, and it might not come across well. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm overstepping my boundaries, but I know... I know the type of style of jiu-jitsu that comes out of Marcus's schools, Carlson Gracie. They're very top heavy. So they, they want to be on top. There's not a lot of guard pulling being taught at Marcus's. I know that for a fact. I, I don't know if he literally took his students and said, you are not allowed to pull guard because that would actually be irresponsible on his mm-hmm. part. Uh, first of all, it's not accurate. Second of all, it's, it's irresponsible to tell a man to, to stand, have a stand up battle with a man who's 40 pounds bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not saying that that happened, and I don't think we can ever know if that happened because unless there's some kind of video or audio evidence that you know that states Marcus telling his student, "Hey, you can't pull guard," right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you said, you know, this guy's almost a year into jujitsu; it's probably his first competition for Christ's sake, and he's and uh, he he doesn't know that you can pull guard. That would be really tragic and irresponsible on Marcus's part, but I I, I doubt that someone would go into a tournament thinking that because basically that's a judo tournament. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and uh <laughs> you know you need to know that Brazilian that's the stand up arts are part of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but that you could also get the fight to the ground in other ways. And uh you know, I, I think I think an overall lack of knowledge of jujitsu is why this isn't getting laughed out of court. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, a judge who maybe knew, knew what jujitsu was and, and was a fan of it and understood the rules, uh, you know, to the degree that we do would, would possibly just throw it out. But in this case, they're taking, it seems like they're taking it seriously. And, you know, it's, it's funny how Brazilian jujitsu is looked upon as such a dangerous sport. Like as we're already talking about in other provinces, it's illegal. Yeah, so, and this, it really shouldn't be, you know, like it's it's really I mean, it's, it is there. There's always a risk of injury, but it, it's it's surprisingly safe for the fact of how effective of a martial yeah. art that I mean, is. If you compare Brazil I, now, granted, I have no evidence to, to back this up. But my guess is if you were to compare injury rates in Brazilian jiu jitsu versus like 
full contact football. I'm or pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you would find that jujitsu stacks up pretty well. Uh, but that said, injuries do happen, and we as people who are living seeing this from the inside out need to understand that the rest of the world has no context as to what jujitsu is, and this whole thing is going to sound crazy, right? Like, I mean, you know how it is, right? If you if you go in and someone asks what kind of hobbies do you, are, are you into, and you say, oh well, you know, I do this thing where I put on a pair of pajamas and I go to like a dingy gym, and me and a bunch of strangers just trying to break each other's arms and we have a great time doing it. Like it, it does sound totally insane. <laughs> it does. And especially to people who haven't done this kind of stuff before. Um, I mean, recall the issues that MMA had getting legalized and like look at how long it took MMA to get legalized in New York because to people who do not see this from the inside out, there is a, they have a very different perception of what this stuff is versus what we do. This, you know, we have normalized jiu-jitsu and to us, full contact fighting is completely normal Whereas for someone who is seeing this from the outside in, they might think that this whole thing is just completely barbaric. And that could be something that could work against Marcus in this case, right? Like if he's got um, a judge and, and I don't know if it's a jury trial, but if he's got a judge and a jury who look at this and they think it's just complete barbarism that this guy was forced into the situation, they might favor him just because it sounds really terrible if you don't have experience with combat fighting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it says here, and uh, I'm just reading the court document, it's just saying, you know, uh, he, Mr. Peters was asked whether or not uh, he knew what the waiver said online that he signed for the tournament. He said he did not know. Um, so, so like, you know, you sign a waiver, you know jiu-jitsu is a combat sport. Like, it's almost like he's playing dumb here mm-hmm. because he's trying to get someone to to compensate him for lost wages or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I understand that's that's a risk that... but. It, like that's that's the risk you take when you step into to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like I know it sucks you 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 lost wages and whatever. I mean if you sign that dotted line, it's a fight, you know? And if if you're going to go in there and think that you have to take this guy down and engage, you know, throw for throw, like Marcus didn't go in there and force you to do that. In my opinion, this is just how I see it, right? Like if you're if you're not even going to take responsibility for your own actions going in there, then I don't know. I don't. I, I. You may, but maybe maybe he did feel pressure to to go in there, right? Like, unless unless Marcus was off to the side saying, you know, if you don't compete, you're a coward or something like that. But so far, I don't think he's that Mr. Peters has made such claims. So. For me, I think that it probably gets thrown out. Yeah, and, I, and, and honestly, I hope it does because, you know, if, if things like this, if if this guy does win this case. Local competition could be dead. Do you know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. why I, that's why I don't like the idea of doing tournaments is because of the risks involved. It doesn't seem to, you know, getting getting sued seems like it would be all too easy. Yeah. To be clear, we don't know what happened at that tournament, and I think once those details come out, it could bolster either side of the case, right? Like to Matt's point, if this was just a totally run of the mill tournament with an injury, then I don't think. Uh, Peters has a particularly strong case, but if yeah, if it, if it does turn out that you know he was extremely pressured to to fight this guy that he was not prepared for, and if he actually was somehow forced or coerced into stand up with this guy, maybe he's got a point. But you know, to your point, Matt. This could have a very interesting impact on how tournaments are run at the at the local level in British Columbia, or if they even still continue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if I were running a tournament and I saw this kind of uh, liability there, I would be very hesitant to proceed. You know, it's that that's something that can be really, really damaging if you get dragged into one of these. Um, 
I, I guess the thing is here, really the question here is to what extent is the tournament owner responsible for clarifying the risks involved? Because yes, this person signed a waiver, but he claims he didn't know what the waiver said. Yeah, like is, is I the, mean, we, who reads a, ra- a waiver entirely, right? I, I understand, but you know, but at the end of the day, I've never competed. You know, I, I don't know much about competition, but like a few months into my jujitsu training, I feel like I probably had a pretty good understanding of what would happen in a situation like that. Like, you know, once, once you sparred enough, you kind of know what, you know, what's going to go on and, and you should at least have a cursory understanding of what the risks are. Now, you may not have fully thought it through. You may not have thought about, hey, if, if something really bad happens, if I get a really bad injury, my livelihood might be affected. But is that the responsibility of the tournament runner to spell out for you? Or, or do they have to sit you down and explain to you, hey, if you have a, a physical job, this kind of injury could prevent you from making money or, you know, do, do they have to do that? Because that does seem like it's probably excessive. I, I don't think in other sports you would see this, right? I, I don't think that if I were to go and sign up for like, um, I don't know, like adult hockey or something, I wouldn't expect someone to sit down and spend 30 minutes explaining to me how injuries could occur and what that could mean to me. Um, and, and so the question here is, to what extent do we? is that reasonable and expected when you run a tournament? It kind of reminds me of that case with the woman with the hot coffee at mm-hmm. McDonald's. It's like, does McDonald's need to tell you, hey, the result of you spilling this coffee that you, that you know is going to be hot, like no one expects coffee to be cold unless ordered otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, if it falls on your skin, it will cause pain and burns, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Are, are we going to make it one of these things where we have to treat every person like a like a baby? It's not a sustainable way to, first of all, to organize. Uh, for, it's not a sustainable sustainable way to live through anything, especially organizing like a, a combat sport tournament. So, as a, as a competitor and a, and you know as, as an instructor that that hopes to teach competitors throughout my life here. I think that's a step back if this guy uh, manages to win this case, um, you know, and, and like you said, we don't know what happened that day. And I don't even know if we can ever find out for sure. To me, the only way that this ends is the case gets dismissed, I would say. And I think that it's, it would probably be bad for the sport if this guy is successful. Yeah, I don't expect that he's going to be able to present a strong enough case to have a decision made in his favor. But... The one thing that is kind of hard to predict is how will the judge, possibly a jury, if it is a jury trial, and the public respond to uh, combat fighting, right? This is something that is always kind of interpreted in a negative light by the public. And, and even though jiu-jitsu is, I mean, honestly, it's barely a combat sport. It's- it- it's puddle cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so gentle. But even so, to the untrained eye, you know, you hear about how this is like the science of bone breaking and choking people unconscious. And, you know, choking, choking someone has a very, very negative connotation, probably mostly because of Hollywood, right? You know, you see these Hollywood movies where someone puts their hand around another person's throat and they're dead in yeah, 10 seconds, dead. right? Like, um, you know, it's kind of like how in the in the 80s, there were all of these kung fu movies. And so for, for decades, people thought that's what an actual fight looked like because that's what like Chuck Norris and Arnold Schwarzenegger did. Um, whereas now we, most of us anyway, know better. Uh, and that's been kind of debunked. And I kind of feel like there is a very 
negative connotation around choking, like it's considered totally barbaric and violent. And that's that kind of makes me wonder to what extent is uh, a judge with no exposure to jujitsu, maybe even a, someone who actually has a negative, um, it, you know, ha, has negative opinions about stuff like MMA. I, I don't know if that is the case, but it, you know, what what if? Uh, what's going to happen when they look at this? Are, are they going to look at this and think, so you took this total, this barely trained person and you put them into a fight and you know against someone injured, much bigger against someone much bigger like you know he didn't have the training yeah yeah and i mean to, to some extent like i understand that right i mean yeah. i've been training for 12 years and my stand-up is not good <laughs> so yeah. so that, that is actually weird when you think about it you know he's there there is a point to be made there it's, it's something that we don't see as a big deal as people who practice a lot but i can see how someone from the outside might be really turned off by this whole thing yeah for sure but when you actually start get like once you scratch the surface you realize that the case is it's a little bit of a paper tiger like you get he says he wasn't he wasn't properly trained for the stand-up battle it's like okay define properly trained yeah yeah like what what, what, what does that mean do you need to be a uh, a brown belt in judo of level caliber do you need to be a black belt level like what what defines properly trained yeah i'm not really properly trained and i and i can stand with most lower ranks you know what i mean but generally i pull guard because you know, I want to win, <laughs> so get, and I want to not get injured. So pulling guard is generally the safest thing I think you can do. Now, I think there's probably an argument to made to be made that Marcus is not teaching guard pulling and he's not teaching intricate open guard sequences. You know, mostly like closed guard and traditional Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, positions. But is he saying? You're, it's, you're not going to be allowed to pull guard. Is he saying that that will not be tolerated at this tournament? Or is he, you know, are you just making that, that assumption that he's saying that? In which case, if you are, you're really an idiot. Like you should, you know, anyone who knows what the sport is, especially nine months of training, you know that you can pull guard. You know that getting into guard is a common position. That's essentially the bread and butter of the sport right there. So how can you claim that you didn't have, you didn't know? Or that you, you know, you don't have the ability to, it's like, mm-hmm. did you not have the ability to, uh, or did you not have the training to stand up? Because what if you took him down? Then would you have had the, the, the training? Like, what if the fight went the other way? He takes the guy down, chokes him out. Mm-hmm. What, what's interesting is at nine months of training, probably most of this guy's stand up experience probably was pulling guard. So you would think that, I mean, granted, again, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I guess it depends on what he was taught. Um, and no, it, no, I, th- I think he was, I, th- I think he was probably taught takedowns, mm. you know, like I, I've rolled with a lot of Marcus guys. I've competed with them. They all go for takedowns. They all want to be on top. So I don't think he was trained to pull guard. I, I, and that's just my own personal opinion based upon the style of the school. The important thing that I hope is made clear in the court is that training and being an expert in stand-up does not mean you'll never get injured doing stand-up. Like, just because you have a higher level of training, that doesn't mean that you're safe from injury. No. Injuries are going to happen. Injuries are going to happen yeah. regardless. They can happen at any time. Yeah, right? I'm just I'm just trying to think of how this would apply in other sports. You know, if I were doing wrestling and I, I had been focusing on, you know, just like standard single legs and double legs and I get put into a competition and the guy does something I don't expect. Like, I, I don't know. He does some like weird like high crotch or suplex. 
would it be reasonable for me to say, well, I haven't seen that before, so I'm suing the tournament owner? I don't think so. Not at all. You know, it, so and unless some details shake out that uh, would really change perception of, of what actually happened at that tournament, it seems to me like, you know, this is probably going to go in favor of Marcus. But the thing to bear in mind is a lot of the time when you see one of these lawsuits that seems totally ridiculous on its face, when you dig in, sometimes it turns out they're actually is a valid argument for the other side. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens once those details start to come out. Um, I don't know what the, the schedule is for this trial, so I don't know when we're going to have that information. But I, I am very curious to see how, uh, you know, it's going to be interpreted. Because to your point, Matt, this could really change the way, at least in our local area, how tournaments are run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as a competitor, I want to see jiu-jitsu move forward, especially mm-hmm. for all the young competitors that are training and that are, you know, focused on competition. It's it's important for our sport to keep moving forward. And for um, right now, Vancouver, I feel, is like there's a, a big surge of, of really high-level people coming up, and it's really exciting for me to see uh, – you know, it was exciting for me to see before I was a black belt, but now that I'm a black belt with a school, it's even more exciting. And I just want to see it grow and grow more. So I think, I think ultimately what it leads to is people, they need to take responsibility for their actions. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to sign up for a tournament, uh, and think that there's no way you're going to get hurt or, you know, that, and if you, if you don't understand rules that, you know, of what is possible in the fight, I mean, that's really up to you. That's not up mm-hmm. to your coach to, um, you know, even to explain the rules, like your coach should tell you the rules, but ultimately even you as an adult need to take responsibility and look through the rules. Mm-hmm. So you know mm-hmm. what's expected of you, right? Like your coach can't tell you everything. It's just, it's physically mm-hmm. impossible. So, um, you know, take responsibility for your own actions and, and, you know, ho- I, I'm not sure what we're going to see, but hopefully justice is served. I think one thing that I can say is that usually your first experience with an injury is a pretty emotional one. I, I remember the first time I was injured in jujitsu and, you know, it's, it's not something that you're likely to just brush off. I think everyone kind of, you know, when you're a white belt and you're sparring probably against another white belt, who's probably going a little bit harder than they should. Uh, usually if someone gets injured, it kind of turns into an argument, you know, and, and I think we, we've seen this a lot where in, you know, when, a, when a white belt encounters their injury for the first, an injury for the first time, it usually isn't handled particularly well. Whereas once you've been training for a while, you kind of, you know, you understand that this probably, this most likely was not uh, the intent of the other guy. It just kind of happens and you move on with your life. Um, considering how big this guy is, I would not be surprised if this was the first time that he faced real adversity in training, you know, and I, I kind of think that maybe he'd always been used to kind of being in a safe, comfortable spot because of, I, granted, this is total speculation, but a guy that big is bigger than almost anyone I ever trained with. So I can imagine he was probably used to training from a safe position. <laughs> he was so, used to being the hammer. Yeah. So, so, so suddenly <laughs> he's the little guy. He understands what it's like being on the other side and he didn't like it. Uh, and I, I kind of wonder if maybe that first emotional experience to an injury is what happened here. And I, I don't fault him for that. I mean, I've had that exact same situation to myself where I, you know, I remember how upset I was the first time I got injured. But um, at at the same time, though, you know, to what extent is your instructor and what to what extent is a tournament runner responsible for educating you? Like, is a a waiver not sufficient? Um, The thing that I hope doesn't come out of this 
is further watering down of the art. You know, my, my concern would be if they do find in favor of the plaintiff, what I w- would not want to see is a whole bunch of new rules and restrictions deployed onto jujitsu that prevents more techniques that could be considered unsafe. Only guard pull is yeah. allowed. <laughs> because <laughs> that's the sport that I want to be okay. part of. From now on, there's no stand-up yeah. in jujitsu. We start from our knees just yes. like when we're rolling. Yes. <laughs> just, like, just like we talked about in the last episode, you got to start from your knees. Wouldn't it be funny if that turned out to be the case. Oh, God. So... I, that's what I worry about. I mean, you know, it, I, I, we've already have a lot of, uh, you know, there's already a negative stigma against things like cranks and air chokes and knee reaping. Uh, and I would hate to have further restrictions put on jujitsu that weaken its effectiveness as an actual combat art. So that, that's what I don't want to see here. I don't want to see a bunch of reactionary behavior where people start, uh, changing the rules of competition to avoid future lawsuits. Yeah. And I think, I think you have, you're onto something, Steve, about, uh, possibly this man, you know, being his first time being the nail instead of the hammer. I mean, first of all, like you're 240. Like the first thing I think about is, come on, like <laughs> yeah. you're going to complain about being small, like, or, 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 or being mismatched. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a part of the tournament, you know, and, and I know what it's like to, to be offered to go into that absolute division and, and, to, to want to prove something that you can hang with those guys that are much bigger. But if you're going to do that, you still have to understand the risks that go along mm-hmm. with that. Um, you know, it's a combat art and there's bodies flying all over the place. So obviously, you know, just, just, just be responsible mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, don't play dumb. That's basically what I'm saying. I mean, I, it's hard to I, say. I, I, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to say anything definitive. But this is how. This is the side that I'm leaning towards. Yeah, I, I. I feel like I. I completely understand this guy's mindset. You know, your first exposure to an injury like this is really emotional. Um, he he probably did experience um, you know an impact to his work because of the injury. I understand it, but at the end of the day, regardless of whether Marcus Soros personally sat down with him and explain injuries and their consequences. Or that you're not allowed to st- uh, to pull guard. Yeah, you'd been doing this for nine months. It's a physical activity. It's, it's a competition. This kind of stuff happens in sports way beyond jujitsu, right? So my suspicion is this, unless some detail comes out that completely changes the narrative, I think this goes in favor of Marcus. And I, I agree. Yeah. And that's probably for the best for us, because again, I would hate to see a bunch of reactionary behavior that eliminates some of the things from jujitsu that make it effective, right? You know, we already avoid stand up too much. If it actually got to the point where like that were actually modified into local tournament rules, or even beyond. Or just no um, tournaments at all. Yeah, that that would be... I, I don't think that would be in anyone's advantage. And I'm, I'm sure that's not what this Joe Peters guy wants. I mean, I'm sure he legitimately feels like he was wronged and maybe he'll be able to prove that he was. But uh, on its face, like as, as someone experienced, I, I really don't see it. Yeah, and just from a common sense point of view, it doesn't make too much sense either. Yeah. Uh, and as someone, you're definitely right about like the emotional side of getting injured, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it's a sport that you love to do and like, you know, you train often and it's part of your life. I, I just went through a knee injury last June. I, I mean, I still deal with it. It's, I never got it fixed. It's still, uh, 
a part of my everyday life, mm-hmm. although it's not not as bad as what it first was. But yeah, you know, you're definitely going to experience loss of wages. These are the risks that are involved in mm-hmm. uh, any activity, and let alone a martial art like jujitsu. So um, I think it also goes in the way of Marcus. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked before about tournament culture and how there is a lot of pressure to compete in jujitsu. It, it's actually kind of unusual. Like if you look at other sports and stuff, you know, it's considered totally okay to be a casual, but in jujitsu, it's like there's, there is a lot of pressure to push people into tournaments when they don't necessarily want to. Um, one thing that I would encourage, would encourage people to think about is, you know, based on your lifestyle and based on what you really want to do, does a tournament make sense for you? If you actually are in this kind of situation where it's like a, a an injury like this could actually dramatically lower the quality of your life, you need to weigh that. Um, you know, you don't want to just go into a tournament because that's what everyone else is doing. You need to really think critically about this. I would like to have an episode in the future where we talk about longevity, because this is something we've got a lot of questions about where people have asked, how do you stay motivated and healthy and competitive for decades, right? Like not just a year, but for a decade. And I will say that I have never um, been trained by someone or, or seen training material that I think adequately demonstrates how to do techniques in a safe and sustainable fashion, right? You see a lot of techniques and people talk about like, oh, hey, yeah, here's how you shoot a double. Here's how you do this or here's how you do that. But people do not explain like, hey, when you do this move, here are the kinds or when you when you use this strategy, here are the things that are likely going to lead to injury. So be wary of those and do them at your own risk. And here's how you neutralize this. This stuff is something that I think more instructors should focus on. Like I, I, I have kind of defined a whole strategy for myself as to how to alter my game to minimize injury to myself. And that's something that I think we don't think about enough in, in jiu-jitsu, right? Like there, there are ways to do techniques or there, um, that, that are, are safer than others. And there, there may also be certain strategies or techniques that just for your body type, they just, they, they're not really a good thing for you to be doing uh, because they could lead to injury. And that kind of awareness is something that I think most people unfortunately lack. Mm-hmm. Long story short, compete under your own risk. And only do it if you want to do it. Don't do it because someone's pressuring you. I hope that's not the case here. And I think we'll find out that's probably not the case. Um, but, you know, if someone's pressuring you to compete and you don't want to, you don't have to. It's not for everyone. I get that. And uh, definitely, if you're going to do it, take responsibility for it. You know, you can't you can't be blaming someone because you got injured ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, unfortunately. Yeah. And additionally, to tie into that, you know, if you do, ha- when you do have that first time injury experience, it is emotional. Your natural inclination is to find somebody to blame. Um, that's normal. So I get where this guy is coming from, but that's not really going to help you in the long term. That's not really a healthy mindset. You know, you, you don't want to victim mentality. Yeah. It, yeah. You don't want to carry that toxicity with you, especially when there's a very, very good chance it was a complete accident and the other person feels terrible so it, when you do encounter that situation you know um don't carry that hate in your heart you know learn be willing to move past it uh, because injuries can not just do you know not only can they have physical impact they can also have a lot a strong mental and emotional impact and be aware that when you deal with this for the first time it is the kind of thing that can make you a little bit hateful um just be re- be willing to forgive and move on because you don't want to you can never really truly recover from an injury until you've recovered from it both physically and mentally yeah and i'll say this marcus soros is one of the only tournaments locally that had uh cash prizes for the absolute 
uh, weight class and skill level division. Um, and that's something actually kind of admirable that he would actually put up a cash prize to see who, who would be willing to step in with guys that are of lower rank with them. Like I was a brown belt at the time. I actually ended up going in the finals against a guy who was, um, like 220 white belt, you know? Mm-hmm. So you see this 160 brown belt versus a 220 white belt. So, uh, on one end, it's dangerous and uh, kind of crazy. On the other end, it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, and yeah. and he's willing to reward the person who's willing to step up and do it. So, um, you know, I, I don't even think I'd want to say see th- these kind of competitions go away. You know, they're they're kind of fun and they make the sport. It's kind of what the essence of jujitsu is to uh, to quote the old cliche, right? The bigger guy versus the smaller guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Ultimately, I just hope it doesn't hurt the jujitsu scene in Vancouver because it's. It's on such a rise right now. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I don't know when there is going to be progress and more updates, but this is something we might discuss again in a future episode. Um, I hope, I actually, I hope that this is something that you guys find useful and interesting. Uh, you know, normally we don't talk about the news. We talk more about kind of everlasting ideas. If this kind of topical discussion is something that you want to hear more of, reach out and let myself and Matt know. It's, you know, we're always willing to kind of experiment with different types of content. Uh, but I, I think that's pretty much all there is to say on this topic. So, you know, let's see how it goes. All right, guys. Have a good one. Have a good one.